and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters have been doing this for way too long, talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thor, and I'm joined by... Tony. All the small things, true care, true... I can't... I can't hit this guy's you weird can. nasal you notes. No, it's no. it's just I'm like as I'm doing it, I don't like it. <laughs> so this is the first time I didn't even te- I didn't even practice this earlier. Now I just listened to it. Are we, are we calling an audible here? Going song too? No, no. This that's the song. That's what you guys get. That's all you get. All the small yeah. things. Yeah, that is that is quite all, all right. the small things. That's better, right? <laughs> Maybe I should have sang because I have the most nasal projection. Do it. Go, Tom. No, I don't have the words. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and that, of course, is DM Dave, the rock and roll DM, singing all the small things from. It's not Blink One Eighty Two. Yes, 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 of course. That's like their big, gigantic, uh, stupid hit. I mean, that thing was so freaking big. It was. Oh, my God. For being all the small things, it was really Jesus big. Jesus Christ, yeah. Then it was on American Pie and the world exploded. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's actually, that's a perfect segue to what we're talking about here today. All the small, tedious things Dungeon Masters have to go through to put the game together. And they become big things because they're taking your time and they're maybe killing your enthusiasm and they make you just not do a thing you wanted to get in the game. So today, what we're going to talk about, based on a Twitter question, actually, is... How can you take some of the tedium out of the tedious things you have to do as a DM, which are some hacks and tricks we use to try to make things work a little more efficiently? Because God knows I am not sitting back here and spending 20 hours a week doing extra work on D&D. Well, you just, you just can't uh, with, the, with the level of... I was thinking about this the other day. Because um, at first I was like, oh, tedious things like tracking rations and stuff. And that's more on like the game side of things, like game mechanics. But... Uh, this perspective is much more about like the tedious things of session prep, and I realized like back in the day I used to put so much into session prep because I had a game going, yeah, and we would meet once a month. I had thirty days to do nothing but think about D and D. I had maps printed out and figures ready <laughs> and grand backstories for all. I mean, yeah, and now I'm like, yeah, this guy's name is Bert. He's he seems trustworthy. <laughs> and he's your merchant. Bobbling the goblin. Bobbling the goblin. We yeah. have to give credit to the person who gave us the idea for this, and that is Kayla Evans at Kayla Evans DM on Twitter. And Kayla had posted just a just a question to the Aether out there. I've been waiting for some OG dungeon masters to show up and start giving us all some wicked obscure advice on the craft nobody ever heard of yet. Like maybe there's a hidden page in the DMG where the cost of magic items is fucking calculated already. Um <laughs> And now I mean, that, that entire, page is there. That's all I'm going to th- say. There is a page there. Um, it's not necessarily satisfactory. Yeah, and we'll get yeah. to that in a second. Um, but, you know, the rest of Caleb's thread does kind of, it, it sort of becomes everyone talking about where you can get your magic item prices. And there's a combination of the DM, DMG page, which people are not generally satisfied with. There's some other tricks here. Like, for instance, there is a list of magic items with price list. Uh, yeah. That was put together by Level Up Advanced 5th Edition, levelup5e.com. Uh, we just mentioned that we are OGs. Uh, <laughs> so, hopefully we'll have some, we'll have some advice for uh, how, to, how, to, how to get the tedium out of some of these tedious things on here. But you know, it's a great example of what is tedious about being a dungeon master. Because you sit there and you know, in the course of a session, your players walk up and they're like, I want to go buy some magic items. 
And you're like, sure, there's a magic item shop. You're of a level. I think that's okay. How much should it cost? I've done this myself. If you just look at the at, at, at the items, fifty thousand gold pieces. Yeah, it's like not there. <laughs> like it's not in the item description. You got to go elsewhere in the DMG, yeah. and it just kills your time. And like, I mean, Tony, you homebrewed this for your game. Yeah, I did. And what I worked from was a system where I started at the common, uh, uncommon, rare, very rare items, and I had them in brackets. And I felt if one item was especially awesome or horrific, then I'd bump or uh, raise the price accordingly. Uh, going to try to price all these items individually, it looks great if you're playing a video game, but that is a really horrible amount of work, which is usually how I feel about maps. <laughs> I think we'll get to maps too in a second. It's a little weird too, because this is a perfect, uh, this is one where you know, somebody says, I wish that they had this. And then somebody immediately posts and said, they do. It's page 172, whatever. And it makes me think of, it's not about that. Yes, it's in the DMG. And as we've said, check your DMGs too, because there's a lot of great stuff in there that you kind of forget is in there. But somebody posted the other day about, I wish there was something about, like, what do you guys do about training? And somebody posted back saying, oh, that's in there. But it takes, you know, 265 days and 100 gold pieces a week. Oh, and, stuff. and you're like, yeah, that's cool. And we've talked about this, right? Where, like, you're in that thing and, yeah, you're training with Mr. Miyagi over the summer and doing all these things. But, like, the game is happening. When am I going to do that? You know, when I'm in the middle of a game and I want to train for a... Uh, you were talking about your weapon proficiency mm -hmm. thing with the last... With one of the uh, articles from a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And and that was the same type of thing where, yes, they have mechanics for it, but they make it so... Uh, I don't know if obtuse is the word, but just not... Very hard to find. And that and not necessarily even usable in the same way because yeah. it's either completely out of the ken of anyone being able to afford it or... It's not enough, and people are buying all kinds of magic items, right? I go in and I buy 73 spell scrolls, and I give them like 50 <laughs> platinum, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm the most powerful wizard on the planet. But no, you cannot have this plus one dagger. That's like 20,000 gold pieces, well, right? Think, is there an adjustment for, for disposable magic items in the pricing? I know when I glanced at it one Scrolls time, seem to be cheaper. Scrolls yeah. are cheaper or potions cheaper? Because I, I know like, I was giving like crazy prices on potions, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. Potions are pretty low. I mean, they're like 50 gold for like your normal okay. potion. That's okay. just an adventuring gear but, thing, but disposable stuff, but this right? Is a good example though because there was a point where late in an adventure night like what late in a gaming night you guys I gave you guys a chance to buy some stuff you're like we want to buy some potions and I went looking through the DMV sure. and like I had no idea where, the, where that list was I don't like, even remember what you priced about it put together that. really poorly to find yeah. stuff on the fly yeah. so as a rule <laughs> potions are a thousand a thousand gold pieces <laughs> five thousand Fifty. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they block prices. You're really bad at negotiating. <laughs> you're, you're really bad at negotiating. So, uh, because they are truly the essence of a one-shot item, mm. then yes, of course they have lower pricing and things like wands. That if they are not rechargeable, now that they're recharged, no, I'm sorry, that's a magic item. You're stuck with that. Yeah. But if the, back in the day when I did uh, non-recharging uh, or difficult to recharge uh, items, then that was lower tiered. Uh, price accordingly. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, one of the solutions here is, you know, I hate to say it because we're trying to talk always around tedium. Sometimes the best way to get around the tedious bullshit is just to prep a little bit. 
And I hate saying that because I realize prepping can also be tedious I, bullshit, right? I, I put all of my magic items in my campaign world in one place. I mean, all the good ones. I had a six second ed. Like, <laughs> honestly, if you're going to yeah. go purchase oh, you, them. Yeah, you did. You created the magic shop, the end. There was nothing else around the rest of the Forgotten Realms. There was just the Sky Mall. Because it's a trap, people. Honestly. Where's Admiral Ackbar? It's a trap! Yes. <laughs> because they're going to be like, oh, I want to go to this shop. What do they have over here? What do they have in this shop? What do they have in this shop? No DM wants to touch that with a 72-foot-long polearm. And what we're talking about, basically, is you made a list of items at the Elio Sky Mall which was literally a floating mall you could go to, run by the magician Elios. And you had, a list of, you, had, you had a list of what everything, what he had and what it all cost. And because you set that up and that was the only magic item shop, you never had to make a second list. There were other lower tier shops. Yeah, so, yeah. and it so was a revolving list. Yeah, you yeah. go to Rydals or what have you. But then once you have your block list of what's available in your magic item shop, mm. then... You guys would buy things and cross them off. They're out of stock now. And then I'd add a couple of new things every session. I just keep mm-hmm. tweaking that. And if someone said, oh man, I would really like a ring of fire resistance. Well, maybe not next session, but maybe the session after that will show up in the shop. So I think one of the tricks here is I was mentioning prep. If you're gonna be doing a magic if you're gonna be doing magic item shops in your world, it is worth having a rough price list and putting it on your DM on your DM screen. On, the, on your side of the DM screen. And the way I would do that price list, and the one hack I do have here, is I tend to price things pretty much just by the rarity. So if it's this rarity, it's going to cost this much. Do they have it? Have a roll. So you don't need to have it figured out ahead of time. You know, okay, you, do they have this thing? I don't know. Make me, you know, roll me. There, you know, there, there's X percent chance based on the based on the on the on the rarity of the item and just make me the roll and if you make it they'll have it there and you can attempt and you can attempt to buy it and then what you do is you just kind of aside from having your price list of what everything costs at each level and also scrolls potions the other you know kind of the 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 disposable things you need to price out you know i would basically just adjust things based on what you think this is worth in your game. So one one easy example is plus one plate mail versus plus one studded leather armor, right? I mean, studded leather costs less than plate mail, so they might be the same price for their magic, but I might also lay in the price of the armor on top of that or, or something like that to, to indicate that the plate mail is going to be a bigger buff and a better, better piece of armor. So you're going to want to include that as well. Um, but one of the things with that too, because like in the DMG, they do it exactly like that. On the whatever page it is that they finally give it to you. Um, and it's kind of mixed in with crafting magic items too. But they break it out into common, uncommon, wondrous, legendary. And yeah. those are your tiers that go up. But sometimes the pricing is either... Like I said, the pricing is either too goddamn low. Or just astronaut. Like you have to have a castle and a keep and taxes. Like we were talking about a week <laughs> or two ago. To afford this thing. And... I understand the point that, yes, that's what why people go on adventures. And that's my point. That's one of the reasons I, I'm not a big magic item shop guy, generally, aside from Elios now showing up in the world. But regardless, <laughs> um, is that it becomes pro- prohibitive or they just can purchase too much. And it's it, it just jumps, right? So, like, there, does it, that make it makes sense? A lot, it makes a lot of sense. There's a couple dynamics in there. I would set the benchmarks. What does a healing potion cost? What does a plus one longsword cost? 
what does a plus one suit of banded mail cost? And then you can expand. And honestly, you know, not to really blow this trick here, but once you have this list, then that kind of gives you an idea how much treasure you should be giving. Will they have an opportunity to buy this next session or in 14 sessions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do we feel like this has made it less tedious? I felt like that had, for me, who's a very chaotic you know, DM, I felt like that had an odd amount of structure. So I can look at this and say, okay, I know that there's items like in my item shop, say they're going for seven grand, and I just gave out 20,000 gold pieces, and there's six players. So they're now closer to buying one of these items. So you have to figure this into your treasure as well. So they dropped X amount of items over the course of this adventure, and now they're going to go pick up a bonus one of their choice at the shop. Also, with that, I don't know if it's a matter of... There are things that you can do to make it easier to begin the crafting process of your price list or your inventory or whatever. But if you're going to take the time to put a magic item shop or an enchanter in your world where the players can interact with them for gold and not like, for instance, at the Goblin Market that you guys went to in the Strahd game where it's for memories... Right? It's for, you know, weakening yourselves in a way for some sort of magic item, right? We're so excited for that. Yeah. I, hey, they, they got lots of stuff. And, you know, and all it costs is a memory. Um, but if all you're going to do that... It is, is a negative somewhere down the road. Possibly. Possibly. But make it an intelligence one. Who, who does I've the intelligence But if you're going to do something like that, take the time. That is not necessarily, for me, that's not a tedium thing. That is part of the prep of your world. If you're going to take the time to put something like that in, have an idea of, like we've talked about, what are the types of pricing that you would want to have in your world or, or the types of enchantments that are available or what it takes to do it. Like I made you go and melt things down and reforge them. And what I did was... The Gondolin, the blacksmith that's in the Feywild that you you uh, reforged the two swords with, he's a legendary blacksmith. He is not an enchanter. But what I did was I allowed him, and we kind of talked about this before, I allowed him to take the existing magics, and because of his masterwork craftsmanship, he can make it do certain things, but he can't make it do like super enchanted things. That comes with the enchantment. So, like things like plus one stuff, like that. We've talked about that. That could just be a beautifully mastercrafted sword with certain materials, and a good enough blacksmith. You don't necessarily have to have a magic item shop to give it like a plus one or something like that. Mm -hmm. I know that's a little bit on the on on the side of things, but it is a way to uh, to not necessarily have to have a magic item shop with. What else do you have now? Is there a vorpal oh, yeah, sword in here? Yeah. How about a flame tongue? Do you also like you know the hand of Vecna? I would like. Yeah. Do you what, what? As they're flipping through the the DMG and the, that, you know that's how it used to run in old school Greyhawk. You could walk into the bazaar, start naming magic items, and the DM would start making rolls, which is really dangerous because they can start rattling off some crazy freaking list they have, and eventually some of these oddball things are going to come up. Now whether they can afford it or not, well now they're there. You get three. You get three. You, you you get to try three times to see if a magic item you want is there, and after that you're cutting you, you, you're, you're cutting it off. Is that three. mechanic or is that is that's that you? That's, that's me. Okay, that's that, a, that, that, the that, McGee mechanic. That, that yeah. is that is I like that. shenanigans. Again, you have to separate those two things out. You talk about the world of Oerth and the, and Castle Greyhawk and and Greyhawk. 
you're talking about one e two e right you're yeah. talking about what we've talked about before the magic items make the character the character themselves it will die the character themselves is, are just they're not even bruce wayne right they're not really even bruce wayne, wayne. Yeah. yeah so that makes sense having something like that because then you can get some wackiest magic items and that's cool on your character sheet you're still super squishy in a way 5e completely blows this out of the water. Yeah. Completely blows it, it out of the water. It's, okay. it's kind of like my my article from like a week ago or so about what happens when you have too big... What's what's too big of a party? Too big of a party in 1e? Who cares? I will kill all of you. Falling rock. <laughs> in 5e? Good luck. Good luck trying to kill them without just being an asshole, right? 20 people. That's okay. The Dragon's Breath weapon still catches all of you. <laughs> Across the board. So there, that is where sometimes that, you know, that old, that OG can, thing does, can. does get a little funky, right? I still feel like we're making it more complicated instead of less complicated. Sure. You know, so, okay, so let's try for to, that for the, for yeah. specifically magic items. Well, but, I mean, so but the point is though, okay, say you want to throw something in and not do a lot of tedious calculation on the front end, right? So here's like some things that you can take away. One, if they're lower in level, you don't need a full magic item shop to figure out. Let them pick up some plus one swords mm. in the market because you have a really good blacksmith, mm. you know, and just just pull the pricing on that. Let them pick up so 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 give them access to like non magical or limited plus one like weapons and armor. And uh, potions through like a through like an apothecary or something that lets you at least at lower levels until you're ready to build a magic item shop that lets you close it off and work in a bubble more. You know you don't have there's not some mystical wizard making every making a new magic item every week. There's just what you can get in the bazaar. You can keep that pretty low until you get to probably about the middle tiers, like around ninth level or so. I think it's really where I want to open up magic item shops. Yeah. Once I want to yeah. open up magic item shops, once I hit ninth level. I'm trying to work off of a really simple tier-based uh, pricing with me throwing in some adjustments based on what they're getting. And do I... Ring of Wishes, that's going to cost you more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Deck of anything. Huh. Let me free. It's huh. <laughs> I, I can't Just please take that. me. <laughs> that, that type of... That, uh, that's been lost to the ages. You can the ability also do to that. Craft that. Maybe you can do yeah. that, but they can be both ways, right? You can, you can either set it at a really exorbitant price that drives them more adventuring and drives them to save to get it, or you can just say they can't get it from a store, which is also totally fair. I mean, maybe a Ring of Wishes shouldn't be in a store. Um, <laughs> maybe but what I'm looking to work it as is I'm looking to work it at that point through more of a mechanical system so I remove the tedium of having to price every magic item I'm going to work, try to work it off of basically benchmarks and rolls which is what I try to come back to because I'm an improv DM and that's what I always try to come back to just have my benchmarks based on rarity have in mind what's ridiculous that I'm not going to give them or I'm going to charge an exorbitant price for and then just if they want something that's relatively reasonable, I make a roll behind the screen. If I don't want it in the game, that roll's probably going to come up negative. And I limit how many things I can ask for. Also, one, one thing you could do that's making me think of this as well, because it does take a good amount of the tedium out of it, because you don't have... Ilius' Skymall, right? Mm -hmm. Had... When you drop that in the chat, because we're on roll 20, right? You drop that in the chat. That thing exploded. You had to scroll. To, you had a ton of stuff. Because this guy... Is literally a floating magic shop. So that's awesome, right? Walmart of magic items. It doesn't have to be that, though, right? Yeah. If it's something like this, it makes me think of uh, what Mercer did in the Critical Role. He made in their second campaign, he did the thing in uh, in one of the big towns. So they had to get to the big city where the, an economy like this would make sense. They're at a certain level that it makes sense, right? Like you're talking, wait until the later levels, yeah. right? 
So he made the Invulnerable Vagrant, which was an enchanting shop. It was an enchanter there, uh, Pumat Soul, which was a great character, but not that's neither here nor there. Um, but an enchanting shop. And whenever they went in, he had... These are the, like the six things that he has out okay, on display, yeah. right? Like you walk into some old like uh, antique shop or something. He has some things for display in the glass case. And, oh, what's this? What's this? And you have some prices. And that will rotate out as people buy things, as he sends things to the military, right? Whoever's buying them, as he enchants new things. And then the characters could also come and say, hey, would you be able, since you're an enchanter, do something with this armor that I found? Could you change it? And then that gives you the chance to, one, you have time now. Because, well, this is going to take me, you know. Yeah. It'll take me like two weeks. So go out and do your adventure and come on back and, and you'll, it'll be ready for you. As it's a change. So that's a way, too, where you give a limited rotating supply. And then you don't have to do this massive fucking... I mean, you had stuff from 100 gold pieces to 50,000 gold pieces. Yeah. In increments of like 100. Now, <laughs> As in thousands. So, so uh, for a pinch of context there, if someone's looking to introduce magic items to their campaign, yeah, I would agree with McGee's approach... Where I'd be like, okay, get some healing potions. I may have plus one sword and plus, suit a plus one plate mails floating around. Give me a lower level. Lower yeah, we're in the lower levels. This, these guys are already flying around in an airship. They're tackling <laughs> giant. That's the only way we got to the Sky Ball was with an airship, right? right. So yeah, I just got a Final Fantasy callback. Get the airship and get access to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of it, it, there is a level of a uh, you have to hit a certain floor if you're going to yeah. get to this. And this I was stuff. having fun with that. So if you want to do that and really you know dish those details out, then yeah. great. But if you're looking to keep it sit much more. Uh, together, then yeah, use a, use a pricing block like we're suggesting, and just throw the items into that. And but that's not that's not really that tough if you really want to break it out because, as we said, you could do it in terms of uncommon, common, wondrous, legendary, blah blah yeah. blah. And you know, we talk about it all the time. Our session, Tony, notwithstanding. So we're just as context. We're about to get into our All Star game tonight, and uh, you finished putting the adventure together for four uh, four and a half hours of play. Tony has spent the last, I don't know, 30 days all the way up until about noon today. You were still fiddling with this guy. <laughs> yeah, kind of was. So understand the way Tony approaches things, right? So session prep. Sitting down and like putting down your notes or something is one thing. But, I mean, we've all talked about it. We're doing most of the stuff when I'm out walking my dogs. That's when an idea pops. I'm at work. I'm driving the car. I'm filling up my tank. And ideas come. So you have an idea of where do these things lie within your world. And then you have a general price point that you can adjust according to how the characters are, how they're approaching it, whatever. But you have a general, eh, something around here. It's going to be around 10000 for something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think... You know, one of the things that we're, what we're seeing here is, okay, so why did Tony build out this long list of magic items versus I'm just, when you come into my campaign, I'm just, okay, here's roughly what they're, I just want a reference. I want a quick reference to be able to move on from it. It's the, and the, reason is, it's it's the you, blessing and curse of OCD, I believe. Well, it's, it's, right. what, it's, what, you enjoy, it's what you enjoy in the game. Yeah, I get, there it is. Like when, there I'm, it when, is. I'm, when I'm putting together a treasure hoard and I'm picking magic items for each individual character, you I like enjoy that. that. You like that, yeah. 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 Uh, that doesn't mean I want to stack a whole store. Tony wanted to stack, to stock this whole store, so he did it. So you still want to do the things you enjoy, but if you find it tedious, 
Random rolls and charts. Change it. Change it. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the it. oldest of old school D&D lesson. Random charts. You know, we're just random chance that you have the thing you're looking for. And, you know, just basically tier-based pricing and adjust it if, as you need to. And that gets rid of all your tedious prep work on that if you don't want to do it. You do some of the same thing with your monsters, too. You have certain monsters that you really want to play with. Yeah. And you're like, yep, building an account around this somehow, somewhere, it will happen. Because I want to play with this thing. Because this thing that, looks yeah. kind of fun, right? And when you get into, I think the core con- the, the core conversation here is what's tedious for me versus what is fun for me. And it's how can I streamline the tedious stuff to focus more on the fun stuff for me. And different DMs are different ways. I like playing with monsters and tactical combat. Other DMs, and Kayla may be this kind of DM, that's not that much fun. Maybe they're more interested in the story and the, and the conversations and the role playing. So, well, I love yeah. reading the lore in a yeah. lot of the new bestiary books and the mm-hmm. monster manual books and stuff you could care you're like you no know, give me stats that's what i that's what i'm, I'm looking gonna build for. it's gonna be whatever lore i come up with on the right, spot. exactly yeah, exactly but like <laughs> i like looking at that lore because that's the kind of stuff i just enjoy reading it but that's not tedious to me right yeah where it's tedious to you right and then tony's gonna have certain yeah you know, so yeah that's a good point you know it's funny because it is a very to be relative tedious to me but now it's just hard to fit in <laughs> oh and you're a super adult now yeah yes. now it's just hard to fit in yeah you know, it's like it's like I, you know, how long ago did i read my last full novel you know what i mean it's like it's just hard to fit in well that's the point i made earlier too i i was thinking about it and we are playing once a week every week yeah. sometimes twice we're playing five times a month Basically, right. right. Once, once a week and every fourth And one D&D weekend, yeah. weekend, and then on Fridays. And I also have the other campaign going with the girls for the Frostman thing. And I'm like, oh my god, I have to, like, this past week with the Frostman one, I had to put together the entire session prep notes in, like, a day. I've never done that before in that way. I would always give it much more thought. And it came together. So, and it was quite a good session in that way. But, um... So, yeah, like, you just run out of time. So you just yeah. can't do it in the same I'm, way. I'm over here cracking up there's because a that's lot. literally all that you... Well, you're like, a day? That's... My I'm, God, I'm, I could come up with a world. <laughs> I'm, 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 like, I'm like an hour before the session. I'm like, all right, I got to grab the monster. You're cracking manual. out, yeah. Just, I'm going to play with that, that, that. We're going to get there this way. I'm going to see what the characters want to do. But these are more or less kind of what I'm going to play with here. And then, and then I might be letting the characters tell me where they're going. Right. And I'm just, re- I'm just reacting to what Almost they say. Yeah, you know? to that. Yeah, no, back in the day, yeah, absolutely. We'd all be hanging out. They'd be like, hey, someone want to run something? And they'd all look at me. I'm like, okay, give me uh, some iced tea, the DMG, the Monster Manual, and 35 minutes. Oh, shit, that's where I learned it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because that's, that was how we used to play all the time. So I'm like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> Again, <laughs> just a slide. difference in times now, because yeah. a lot of people come into the game now, we talked about, they're, they want... The grand story, the epic story, the the world building that is like all tied together, and that's harder to do if you're not giving it some level of of energy. You know, you're kind of pumping the system with that. So in that kind of situation, then yeah, the bar's lower. What am I doing? I'm picking out some neat monsters. I'm gonna have some you know combat encounters. Okay, I'm gonna make a place in my head as this is all having to put all the monsters. But no, you're not getting you know the, the two towers. That's yeah. not going to be happening in 35 minutes. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, I kind of have built the two te- the, the, the the two mountains essentially in my in, in the, my improv game. You know, you've got an Athwa, You have you have the well, you have the you have the mountain. You guys probably don't see it this way, but you have the mountains the mountain where the Malbion is, and you have the mountain where Stratus. 
Hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't put. I didn't understand the map of the, like in that way. They're both up in the northern mountains. Okay. So, okay. I mean, but I mean, like I don't towers, feel like, mountains. I mean, I don't feel like that's like a. I don't feel like it's like a shallow world. You know, no, it's, it's, no. You no. Know, for, but again, it's just it's. But all of the like Tony's game tonight is going to play very different than the Strahd yeah. game plays, which is going to play very different than, than Wander's game. Sure. Uh, yeah, because our styles, we all arrive at a similar location, but again. What do we? Everyone gets to play what they want to play yeah. and have fun. That's the point, right? If this is tedious for you, making a map, why are you doing it? Well, which is a great point. Well, someone, someone why stop yeah. doing that? Yeah, you stole the next point. I think. Yeah, if so, you so, don't want to run spellcasters as villains because there's too much stuff, why are you? There's so many other things to do. Why you don't have? Don't get do yourself it. a dragon. Who well, cares? Well, let's, let's be fair. Why are you running spellcasters? Because nothing else damages the goddamn barbarian except the flint. <laughs> yeah, that's why. You know why? Because you need some wisdom saving throws. You need some stuff that doesn't. Wisdom get saving throws. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you you're unstoppable, whole person. You guys Just haven't gotten there. to you the. Other. Sit there and rage in peace. You guys have not gotten to the Nautiloids yet in the Strahd campaign. They're, they're all, the Armada is waiting to arrive of just intelligence saves. So uh, Little One will be the only character that survives. No, that's definitely our weakness. We are not that smart a party. So I really, what's tedious for me is anything that detracts from me spending time on the plot. When I feel like I'm, like I'm really, I have, especially if the plot is really not fleshed out, if I don't have it all, where I feel like it is bulletproof, where someone's gonna go, well, why the hell wouldn't that guy have just done this? And I'm like, ah. I'm right there. I, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm much more there uh, than on Thorn's side. I'm definitely starting to be infected more with I mean, Thorn's way because I see that. Game? No, but I see, I can see. But for me, it's again for me. Like I want to know that, like. This I can go back. I don't want to have too many Lucas moments. That's the thing. I like. That's I don't fair. mind some of them, but, but I, mean, I, you know, it's never been brought up to me as an issue in my yeah. game. So that might just be the way I think through my characters, or maybe no one said anything. But you also have you as the as the person running the game. You have set the parameters in a way of this is the style of game. True. Right. So yeah. if if you like, you know, I I oftentimes will. We'll delve more into like the oh well this weird thing about the 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 history of this part of the world or whatever it might be maybe, um, and you're probably like when Dave I don't remember you, you just literally just threw no, a fucking no, no, cross no, giant I can at think us. You, you, <laughs> I might be doing stuff like that. Yeah, I guess. But, it's yeah. just, but I mean, just more to the issue of I don't want to come up with my plot not coming together or this guy did this thing and it makes no sense. Hmm. I feel like I it's yeah. I tend to have an idea of the character motivations, so the NPCs mm-hmm. generally act in a way that is. I've never had consistent. anyone. I've never had anyone question me on it. You no, know what I mean? they're consistent. Yeah. So yeah. either no, me, either people are being very polite to me. <laughs> they're, they're just happy I'm running the game. Don't piss them off. Yeah. <laughs> or it's something like, uh, or or it's not working. It's, it's working out. You know. No. But yeah. it is. You do need to think motivations, and I think motivation from the character level. You know. Mm. It's, so going back to what you you had said previously. Uh, if you don't like doing it, then why are you doing it? Then oh that's God, basically why? why I cut maps out as many places as I possibly can. Maps. And yeah, no. Let's talk maps like maps. in depth. Because I think that's another tedious thing. Maps. We could talk about here. Yeah. Well, really, I when I... Uh, I'm on Roll20, I'll throw images up there. Yeah. People like images. Okay, great. But for me... And sure, other people are wizards at this, and I know some people are put together some fantastic terrain and build figs, and that's 
awesome, and I love. How that. much do you want, you want to play on one of these tables that we see these just once, right? Just this massive I fucking dungeon. Do. I, just like to, I, I would just like to get the castles that Scott built out. That <laughs> play on that. That's I'm asking for one structure. One, I don't need the I don't need the walls. The it's temple the he built that we that, that was the last thing I should, that he revealed the last session we played in person before COVID, and we haven't been able to get everyone back. We to absolutely cannot absolutely. let Woodstock Wanderers end. Until we fought a battle at both of those locations. <laughs> at Dodoestra and the no old way. temple. Yeah. Anyway. That's, that's that would be sorry. bad form. I just see those pictures of these things and I'm like, oh my god. But I find myself, I'm like fishing around for images for individual creatures that I want to use. And then this one's the boss version of this creature. So I need a new image for that person. And then that's the merchant. We get an image of that. And then it's that old scenario I keep saying about like the guys want to go to the bathroom. Where's my battle map? Because there's a battle breaking out, you know. Somewhere on that map. And as we've kind of talked about, we don't need a map every time. And I don't think even most times. If no. you have real tactics, then fine. I don't I don't think I'd do more than a couple of battle maps a session. Even if you're going that way. Even if you feel like you must be out of the theater of the mind to a degree. So there's two hacks I use for battle maps. One online mm-hmm. and one in person. Yeah. The hack online is it's probably the, I think you guys are probably doing the same thing. I just go look up images of maps. Done. And I just, you know, and I count the squares to make sure that I'm making my roll 20 map the right number of squares so it matches the grid on the map if there's a grid and then I pop it in. Now, admittedly, sometimes that search can take a while cuz image searches if you can't quite find what you're looking Actually, for, yeah. can the, take forever. And they don't always the pro, the problem I I've, I've always run into with that, they don't always get to the size that you need. To be able to properly run it either. Like I was running mm. into that with the frost giant layer. Uh, which is why I really didn't drop. I was originally going to drop a map onto it. And I was using the one from. from the, but it, to size it properly. There wasn't enough space. There just wasn't. Yeah it was what weird. Do you, what do you mean? Like do you mean enough space in roll 20? Yeah like on the actual map oh, uh, uh, if you, size so, itself. So when you create a new map. Yeah. And if you hit the. You go to the options. Yeah. You can set that grid size for whatever you want. Uh, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah. so yeah. So, like, I literally because when I basically one of the tri- one of the things I do is I'll, I I count the grids. I count how many grid squares wide and how many grid squares tall, and I set that as the number in roll twenty. And I should get a roll twenty map that is identical to that grid. I just pop it in in the map player and stretch it to fit. See, I I probably would have I probably would have come around to that if I wasn't uh, freaking uh, spoiled. With the plug, <laughs> with the plug and play roll twenty module thing. Yeah, yeah, it's easy when you just kind of oh, drop it, right? But I mean, in most situations, okay. So what did you do last time? You had an image out there. We dropped our monsters out there. Your monsters, our characters. We knew who was bodied up with whom. I mean, unless we're talking about where I'm dropping a fireball, or can you really reach there and your movement's forty, and you know you say yes, and I say I don't know about that. Then we don't t- always need that. That's true. It depends what kind of fight you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah. there are fights where it's quick and you can just kind of say you do this, you do this, you do this. And then there's fights where people want to know where they are. And that kind of which which brings me a little bit. We talked about this I think last week too. Actually, the Woodstock Wanderers want maps. Yeah. Like I tried to run a theater of the mind. The players wanted map, but this is my second hack. 
one of the players just started bringing terrain pieces, and I would describe what we were doing, and he would just put out the terrain yeah, pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how we had our maps. And we yeah. talked about last week, you know, we originally, for figs, we just used the, the crudité. <laughs> yeah, from dinner that night. <laughs> that, yeah. that we had. We had cheese, cheese and vegetables. We just put them on the table. Now, eventually, that turned into, I brought my minis, Scott, the, 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 the one who makes all the great maps. He brought his minis, all the great um, terrain and stuff. And between me and Scott, and also Dave's got a ton of minis here. So, like, we had all the minis we ever we would ever need. And what I do, though, is I just have the players. I describe the situation, and the players put down basically self-printed battle tiles to recreate it. I bet it and say, yeah, that's good. Or I say, I'll put this there, put this there. Yeah. And so that way, I'm not sitting there drawing a map. I'm just describing something off the top of my head. I just throw in some, some, some measurements, some, you know, how many feet is this, how many feet is that. And the players make the map. And that is actually a big hack for a lot of the tedious stuff you got to go through at the table. If you don't like doing it as a DM, ask a player to do it. Well, that used to be the, the you used to have the mapper. And I think that was probably part of true, it. True, true. Yeah. But a um, couple ways. So Roll20 uh, or any kind of foundry or any other VTT, uh, just importing the maps and throwing them up. Or even just spending five bucks and getting one of the map packs that they sell digitally. Yeah, um, yeah. Why not? I mean, if, if it's something that you're going to use a lot of, toss it up there, right? Um, the only problem I've always had with buying the the, the, the terrain pieces, like yeah. watching sells, like the kind of the, 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 the terrain. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm talking on like on a on a virtual tabletop. Okay. Not like the not the, the the folios that have the map terrain in them as much. Yeah, no, I mean. Not those. Could, well, I've used, I've used, uh, I haven't used it on, on Roll20, but the nice thing about Roll20 is you can do that web search function. We can get anything you want. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't, if you can't find it through the Roll20 web search, you go to Google you type in what you want. Mm-hmm. You just download the image and load it right in. Yeah. And it'll load yeah. in. You don't need a token. Like, you can load anything into that token window. Absolutely. Like, you know, like Absolutely. literally, like, yeah. like oh, well, you can the Arthur if you want. It'll well, go same in. thing. We, I mean, you can go to, to Roll Advantage, Token yeah. Stamp, the website, and you can just create you free yeah. tokens yeah. yourself if you if that's the thing for you. But regardless, so you have that. You have the maps that come with the modules for, for virtual mm-hmm. stuff. But i tell you the truth. When doing some of the live games with the Frostman campaign, because we've only done live ones since we've gotten together, um, I brought out my old Pathfinder flip mat, just the dry erase number, and I've been drawing out, these are simple ones, they're very, uh, uh, you know, uh, you have a, you have like impressionistic, a big, you have, as it you were. Just a big, big it's dry the, erase grid, It's the right? big guy, yeah, yeah, it's the big guy. And I, the other side is a dungeon that I've used for a couple things, but it's it's too specific. Mm-hmm. But I've just, I've been drawing out, like they entered into the, the cauldron caves, and I started to draw, okay, you see this much, and I just, two lines, and they're putting their feet. That's a, four players, right? Yeah. It's not eight players, it's not this, you know, so, but they like that level of seeing it on the, on the board, have, knowing where their characters are, knowing what they see around them. So again, it's very much dependent on the, the party. I'll go back to the frost giant layer you guys were just in. We had a theater of the mind where we walked in, you fought one frost giant, and at the end of the session, we were like, can we do a map next time? Because you just, you, you want to know, ex- what am I exactly looking at, you know? Well, one of the problems you get into in 5th edition, and 4th edition is where this started, hmm. is you really, it really helps to have a very accurate idea of where your spell boundaries are. That's the tricky thing. I don't know why that's so different from second edition, but it feels like it is. Like, I really feel like I'm trying to kind of, okay, I don't want to hit my people. I want to hit their people. 
So, like, just show me what I'm looking at. So, who can I get with what and, like, what makes the most sense? Well, there was a little more liberality to the uh, descriptions of the spacings and ranges back in uh, old TSR days. Yeah. I mean, we'll right? still give them feet, right? Yeah, no. There was there were some moments where I looked at, like, oh, if you're an armor moving at six per round at six <laughs> five-feet blocks, no. Wait, what? Yeah, that wasn't always super clear, and it was really up to the DM uh, whether your fireball is going to hit all the orcs or two of them. Uh, I, I like the idea that if we're looking at things that uh, we're going to take other players to help us with things we like to do, big groups, particularly I played back in the day, initiative tracking. When I had seven people at the table and I also had four monsters I was doing and people were coming in and out of the rooms, there was I had people attacking out of the round. I'm like, that's great. You can keep that 20, but it's not your turn. <laughs> <laughs> You just pre-rolled your attack. That's no, that's actually... So it's not it's not a trick I use, but it is a trick I've seen you. You've used it, and I've seen other people use it. Having a player keep initiative, mm. especially if they can keep it visually where everyone can see it. Whiteboard. Yeah. Or, or, or you can do, like, there's... You, don't you? I think Dave has, like, the initiative tracker. I do. I was wondering if I would bring it out board. tonight yeah. or not. It's a <laughs> Thor's hammer, and it has the little, uh, little like, flags <laughs> that hang into it. You just dry erase it. So, um, so that's... You know, because initiative tracking is something that can get really annoying. I personally like to track it on the back end behind the screen. But how I do it is I tie that. I showed this in an article way back. I'm trying yeah. to link it to this to this podcast. One of the first articles I wrote was here's how I, I manage combat. And I'll do a list behind the screen of here's everyone in order. And then I also put their like their hit points and like anything I need to know next to that. And I can just track the hit points off as we go. But what that lets me do is I have all my information in one spot based on the initiative counter, and then I just call out who goes next. Yeah. Um, so that works for me. But for someone like Tony and a lot of other DMs, having the player track it, like so you basically just have everyone roll it, but you have a player take the notes, and you have the player keep it on an open list that everyone can look at, and the player tells you who's coming up next. You know? This is, it's it's a huge thing. If there's anything in the game that you find tedious as a DM, short of, like, literally telling the story and maybe running the monsters. <laughs> there are certain things. Tell the story, please. There are certain <laughs> levels that you have to hit that this, if this is tedious, then you you have to just be a player, right? There but, is a level. There's a floor. Even, I even need some DMs will draft a player to help them run monsters. And so Absolutely. long as the player can separate my character versus my monsters... You, they, they, they can take the tedium away of running too many monsters from you. Using your players as a resource, you probably have a player in your party who is more than happy to pick up any slack you're having. Like, any tedious, tedious thing you're having. And they probably enjoy it. And like, like Dave was saying, like the old map, the, the mapper. In early D&D, you expected one of your players to draw a map as you described what was going on. And you might not even remember. <laughs> How's that map looking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Oh, they were even into each other. There was a slight level change. The dwarf noticed it. I forgot to mention it. <laughs> oh, yes. That one dwarf ability of noticing changes and... Uh, Very fight. useful. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know there's one person in every party that wants to be the dragon and fourth weapon the group. There is. One. <laughs> yeah, one. That, that's pretty... Uh, that's optimistic. I remember one time I asked Amber to make a map for me because I needed it for something. And she put these maps together that were like the blueprints for a friggin' wow. three-story building. And I'm like... So there was Dwarven. And I'm like, wow. All right, guys. You're going through this. I have to use this. <laughs> like a literal... A figurative Dungeons & Dragons sin not to use these beautiful maps you yeah. for me. I mean, you know what it is? It's the management side of D and D. It's mm. you know, we talk, we've talked about this. We haven't hit it in a while, but one of your jobs as the DM is just to manage the table and the group and the play dynamic, and like managing a business or, or being a supervisor anywhere. 
recognizing your player strengths and how they can help make things run better is an important part of that. But not even just that. Not even like it's uh, like just using them for that. But like things they enjoy using like, them. That's not the word I use. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but a great example was we talked about it. Scott built the yeah. one. He built the temple. He also built our keep, Dono Estra. Mm-hmm. Full 3D model that opened up like Castle Grayskull stuff, or no, the levels came off, and yes. I think like each floor. So he cool. loves, so cool. but Scott <laughs> loves making this. He likes to just be in his workshop and just tinkering, and you know, paying minis, making terrain, that kind of. So you said this is kind of what it looks like. Go for it, and he would ask you, "How about this? 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 Yeah, no problem." And he enjoys doing that. So yeah. that's not. Tedious. Meanwhile, you're never gonna do. You're never gonna do that. You'll never do that. No, no. In fact, no, <laughs> in fact I, I, would, not. I would just. Fool I don't even know if like if someone paid you to do that. You would probably be like, I. I think I'm gonna stay on this side of things. I'm good. I think. Well, I'm all right. I can make more money writing and editing by hours. <laughs> Whatever they're gonna pay me to make that to castle, I can make more doing yeah, my regular gig. I'm you know, like that. that's. I'm good. I'm good. Well, you know, I was actually on Hero Forge today making mm. the Hero Forge. Mini of Zhang. Yeah. And I'm looking yeah. at the options to buy it, and I'm like, uh, and it's, well, what? They're not great. It's really, it's, it's, it's very, it's expensive, even in, and if you get the color one, the you want to get the brass one? Well, the color ones don't look good. It's actually, no, I would like to get one that was exactly the colors I picked, but they warn you if you buy the full color mini, like they kind of show you they're kind of blurry and not real detailed. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, so would I buy this and paint this? No. no. Never in my life I, would I buy this and paint this. I do not enjoy that. that. that yeah, that's <laughs> not something that I caught the bug for. Yeah, I am not a I am not a Warhammer's mini game. That, yeah. that is one hundred percent correct. I have owned a million bazillion minis. I've been into this for a super long time, and I've seen those figs out there that you they're can beautiful, paint. They're great, and I'm like at these. The, I would be ruining it. Like it's like me taking a Stradivarius and using it to like <laughs> hammer in a freaking nail. Like it's just no. I'm not the person to do that. I, li- I literally start going down the rabbit hole. Like, well, what if I just bought the mini and, and like paid and, and like paid like Scott paid or someone else? Yeah. To pay oh yeah, yeah, dude. Been, Here's dude, what it should look banging like. out like 15 minutes. Yeah, probably an hour or two. Probably yeah. That's I mean, awesome. It's, it, it's just you know. That's recognizing. Oh, that's too bad though that you get that the color gets blurry on because the the options on that side are phenomenal. You know, if they could print it out, if they could give you exactly what you make, Uh, I I might. I mean, could it be that figure in color would be sixty bucks? Oh wow! So it's a ton of money. Like that's a lot of money. But if it's something unique to you. Okay, you consider paying that, but I'm like, all right, but if I'm going to pay that much, like, I want it to be right. I want it to be really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it because the amount of colors that it was going to be? Or something? Uh, they use a 3D printing process. Oh, okay. That well, it's 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 a little bit 15 bucks more expensive because some of the stuff's very detailed on it. Okay. Um, but the amount of the way they do it is through a color 3D printing process, laying down different colors of 3D material. Gotcha. And apparently, like they, at least in the in the example they showed you, it comes out pretty blurry. It doesn't uh, look like nearly as good as it does in the in, in the in the, in the yeah. digital picture of it. Yeah, here's something that uh, I do not want to manage, and the players should be managing this. And I just want to hear a general number, but I want it to be right. And this is a basic, basic one. It is gold. Once I've handed it out, I am not secretly tracking the gold. <laughs> 
However, you know, it doesn't always mean that the amount you have in your head is what they're going to claim they have, especially when you have that situation where the one person is taking something, putting on their sheet, and the other person thinks it's all it's, one it, spot, it, it and it's multiplying with it the fish and the loaves. Yeah. That's true. And it's definitely one of the tedious things of who tracks the gold and how do you track it. Like Because in, in, even in Roll20, the nice thing is you have access to all their, their, their character sheets right there. So you can just go look. But... Is it accurate? Not all the players track the gold accurately. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, I just kind of, once I throw that stuff out, like, it's out there. Okay, I mean, you know, if you're going to, yeah, you have uh, 500 more gold than you said. You're, okay. Well, you, you know you what know. the trick is for this? Yeah. Ask them how much money they have before you send them shopping. And then you can and then you can adjust prices based on whether or not you think that sounds accurate. <laughs> how much you got on you right now? I'm not saying take all the money, but I'm saying you can you can keep it in mind. No, I understand. Or, you, know, you have a you have a ballpark of yeah. If you're like they're probably fifty thousand, like we have three hundred grand. I'm like, well, huh. no, let's make some adjustments. <laughs> yeah, or don't. Maybe unfortunately, don't we are all out of those items right now. But please come back. I'm sure we're getting a new shipment. And- well, I mean, they they you know it's not that you cut anything off, but you have. You have an idea of what you want to give them access for for the amount of resources you've given them at that point in time in the game. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you need to manage that. Yeah. And you can, and sometimes the best way to do that isn't to set your prices ahead of time. It's to hear how much they have and hear how much they can afford and be like, all right, well, I'll divide that by. That's a very good point. Divide that by twelve or whatever, and that's about I don't think, what I'm I mean, that's, to Yeah, at, I think know? some people would look at that as like, oh, geez, I don't know, you know. But it is a way light. that's. But in a way, you're responding to because that's just that's not. Like a re- and if you're talking about something, it's not like how much does a room cost at the end. You're talking about if they're purchasing something that will break the world. I, it's, well, it's, you know that yeah. price fluctuates with the demand. You know, it's, which is usually for look. Bitcoin isn't always at sixty k. Sometimes it drops. Sometimes it's higher. You never know. Okay, it's all about supply and demand. You know, all gold, right? There's been a lot of yeah. They, 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 what is it? They, the king from Ethiopia just came by and showered the place with gold. Gold's not worth much. Anymore. Gold is useless. What's now, his name? So I can't remember the, the, the king who did that. Do you, do you know that story? No. There was the richest man in the history of the world was I believe an Ethiopian king. It was an African king, I believe Ethiopian, uh, and he took his pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Okay. And he threw gold around everywhere he went. He threw around so much gold he collapsed the economies. Because it wasn't in yeah, it, it just, it was had like he, all the gold. So. Yeah, he he was he's literally the richest man who's ever lived. Like they figured it out. Like in terms of like the percentage of what right. he had and the amount he had for adjusted for inflation, that was the richest man who ever lived. And he just was giving money away left and well, right. Like, that and was gold kind of, nothing though. Tell you the truth, that was a, this is a little off topic, but somewhat you know, I guess in a way, because as I said, I I did the whole goblin market idea in the Feywild as a way that they have interesting... It's a way of doing a magic item shop, but I didn't want to do it. You guys have tons of gold, and that's awesome. You literally have limitless gold because you have all of the treasure of Castle Ravenloft because nobody's there, right? Like, There's you no, can literally we just... We don't have an axe. No, you're not carrying... But I'm saying you just, okay, hold on. G- give me a, a second, and you plane shift out and come back with, like, you know, coffers of gold and that's jewels That's good to know. I actually like. was not aware that was in there. We Because we took control of the castle and never explored it. Well, because then you immediately left Barovia and you've been traveling. But no, I mean, that's a, that is a... That that is a plot thread that is there, you know, and we'll see. As we talked about a couple of weeks back about taking over kingdoms and guilds and organizations, right? Similar. Um, but I like that idea of the goblin market thing. I actually took it from Tribality. Uh, I think it was Tribality on, online. Uh, they do a lot of great write-ups of stuff. But he had broken out his idea of a goblin market, and I was like, that's really cool. And it's this, like, it's a list of, like, 50 different magic items and different things could be there. 
but it doesn't cost gold because gold doesn't matter to these creatures. They're not buying things. They exist in this in this enchanted land. Mm-hmm. So they they commerce in memories. They commerce in you know yeah, yeah. different things, right? It's like the needful things guy, right? He doesn't commerce in. He doesn't care how many dollars. He wants your soul, right? And the problem is, all of every single one of us players looked at that and was like, nope. nope. We have enough money. We can. I can just buy this for. Can I just buy this for gold instead? No. Well. Maybe someone else is selling me for gold. Yeah. Well, no, my biggest problem there, I didn't uh, bait the hook enough. No, no. I didn't pull out some of the big stuff. But you it was just a cloud giant belt. You, you walked. You walked you in. You got a sense I mean, of you. You have a sense of where it is. You are talking with some people. Okay. You know, you know it's honest, in the world. If you want me to give up a memory that can come back, because the memory mechanic was something like if you fail a check on that. So you you have to memory. describe the memory yeah. in terms of intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Yes. And then... And then, after you've given the memory, the next time you fail a check on that, for a matter of time, you have a... You for the next minute following Yeah, that. you're basically cursed. Yeah. Uh, you have to roll a die and take it off of your, of, your, of your roll. And that's just, like, so random. It's such a weird thing to have to check that I'm like, is that really worth it for, like, a plus three sword? No. you you got you to go look at that artifact section you want me to give me, a, <laughs> you, you want to give me that kind what of... What else thing. you got? Keep it coming. It's not just that it's... It's not just that it's potentially, like, it's just unpredictable. Yeah. It's like, how do you even remember that? You know what I mean? It yeah. just kind of comes out of nowhere. It, it is a mechanic that could be... And that's where it was going to be something that if yeah. you guys decided to do it, we'll see how it works. But I saw that you guys were into deals before, so I was like, maybe they're into more deals. Who knows? We were into deals? I remember oh. telling Shroud to go shove all his deals. Oh, uh, the Amber Temple was a <laughs> massive deal. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Come yeah. on, stop already. But 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 they were things you couldn't buy. You couldn't buy in a regular you shop. Cannot, no, you cannot buy, like in essence, demonic boons. No, That's yeah. it. Yeah, that was heavy That's what's stuff, worth yeah. a weird... Price. And it didn't really, you didn't really feel the cost at the time, right? Like, you know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what we saw. As anyway, we're freeing these anyway. elder beings from their prisons. Now yes. you're seeing that there was, oh, oh, bigger things are, okay, no problem. Hey, whatever, I'm still very charismatic. You know? <laughs> anyway, we're, we're off the train here. We are a little bit, we are. But I mean, we, I think we've given, like, you know, we've, we've, we've given uh, advice on how to handle a few tedious situations, at least. Absolutely. Um, anything else come to mind that, like, you feel like is a tedious thing as a dungeon master that you have a trick for kind of doing a little a little easier and taking the tedium out of? Uh, checking character sheets. If you're on roll 20, and it's these people are, it's not as bad, like, in mm-hmm. reality, because it auto-calculates for you, and you shouldn't have any kooky issues. But I have to tell you, I've some people have said some wild stuff to me with a straight face, and I've been like, mm, no. <laughs> now, when you're checking a character sheet, what are the types of things? Are you looking, in essence, so when you're building your encounters, you you can get a better sense of some of their some of the ways to challenge them, or what are you looking for? You when I look at a character sheet, like I'm because like, I'm not a big character sheet checker. I, Every not, now and then, I might look for. I know. I know. Things, but, okay, yeah. it's not that. When, when someone has a negative fifteen Thacko, and you're like, "Now, hang on, I, 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 Thacko." Now we're gonna explain Thacko to all no, the no, no, no. Don't worry. Just, so, just so, Google. Th- yeah. To hit AC so, zero. Let me say this. So when your level nine fighter in the party has a plus eighteen to hit. And they swear they've done the math right. You're like, hmm, something seems fishy. Like, you didn't catch it. But you're like, wow, this person is never missing. What's your bonus to hit? And they say it's plus 18. You're like, hmm. Okay, uh, I, I see I've, what had, I've had a couple situations like that. Where, I see like, what you're In the game. Like, I mean, actually, we talked about it with uh, even with um, the stuff you brought over from the Storm Giant game with, with, uh, with Erasmus. It was like, oh, hold on. I didn't know that was on there. 
Like, and I, I got to check the sheet, you know? Um, so, yeah, Roll20 does make that a lot easier. You can just pop in and take a look at things. I can understand it that way. Or else, okay, or sometimes I'll be in the middle of a combat or something will happen and somebody will get this crazy roll and I see what their bonus is and I'm like, okay, hold yeah. on. What what are we looking? Oh, okay, you you show me. Well, it's this, it's this. I also have this stone, whatever it yeah. might be, right? And you're like, okay. But, yeah, there are certain times and where your axe is plus 10. Yeah. The math looks funny. And, uh, okay. Yeah, like even like with... Um, Oh, another example was when, so Bonnie's character, um, uh, Ojin, thank you. Ogin, I was going to say little one, <laughs> but Bonnie's character, Ojin has the deal with, oh, Alpha, yeah. where at one point she had racked up enough sacrifices to have like a plus five on everything. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, those are really huge numbers. How are you rolling that? And I'd forgotten how much she had racked up and how that had played out. Right. And it's like kind of just keeping an eye on that sort of thing is one of the tedious things. Roll 20 makes it a lot easier. You got to make sure it's all tracked in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Similar to the gold tracking, but more, uh, more uh, serious. <laughs> I mean, what we're really talking about isn't necessarily checking the sheet; it's keeping your keeping your players honest, honest. and not accusing someone who is honest, and at the same being time not. being able to catch when someone isn't honest. Okay. I mean, if you can find a way to catch people to, to, to catch people in person at a table cheating at dice rolls, that's the one. That's I That's never happened. That's, oh, that's yeah. Oof. It's happened. I'm really, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I that I that I thankfully have not you know, had to deal. There with are it. dice that work with dice roller apps. They actually have a sensor in them, and they will send they can send the number to an app. And I've considered like I'm like maybe it's buy everyone one of those. You got to roll with these. I'm seeing your rolls. <laughs> oh wow, like a sensor and it's Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's like it's like waiting. You can just have it in the phone of the app. Okay, yeah, I rolled a natural twenty. It says here you rolled a three. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Survey or, says that's a three. Yeah. I, I hit a seventeen armor class. No, yeah, you rolled a you rolled a two. Really? How, how did we get there? <laughs> so in terms of uh with that kind of stuff, how about like uh some of the other stuff in game? Because uh, one of the things I was thinking of when this came through, uh, again, it depends on perspective. And I was thinking also within the game too, and I think some of it depends on the type of game you're playing. So for instance, like Tony, you were talking earlier when you came over, like, you know, Spell components, things of that nature. Rations. Uh, insect repellent, if you're in tumor annihilation, right? Um, <laughs> I'd rather track insect uh, repellent you know, all day wa- long. Water, you know, gallons yes. of, you know, water skins. Uh, those types of things. You know, how many arrows, you know, ammunition. Those types of Like, I think a lot of that depends on the type of game, but... Is any of that tedious to you where you just completely say, you know what, I'm, I'm just never going to deal with it. I'm just throwing it out. It's just what it is. Because I got to tell you, I started to get that way a little bit with arrows. Like Rose's character, Shannon's character, Rose. I finally just gave her unbreakable arrows because I was like, these are... Then, then you always have them. They're uh, just there uh, forever I, and I ever, you know? I solve one here. Because I don't want to have to, like, keep track of them myself and wonder, is it, you know? All right, bro. Arrows are small potatoes compared to this. We're talking spell components. Like, all right, fireball. That you're supposed to be carrying around bat guano. Yeah, so I want to see what units the wizards using to measure bat shit on their characters. Well, sheet. again, it gets, it gets better. And so here's the deal, though. In fifth edition, if I remember correctly, only priced material components. Yeah, so if you have a spell focus, it replaces all of your material components except for the ones with the with that the have a gold piece value. value, which I think is great because then it allows spellcasters who, like for instance, Roosevelt. The gift. He's a ranger. I'm playing him with the, the spell component thing. I want him to have to find a U leaf. I want him to have to have a 
fucking piece of cherry wood or something. You want to Whatever. Find a, to find a yew leaf in the middle of the jungle? Well, yeah. I hope you brought that with you. I mean, I had it. I bought it off the one guy in the uh, port, Nyaran <laughs> Zazaru. Um, but yeah, like, I kind of want because he's not massively spell focused. So for me, it's a little bit of a flavor. He gets to play the yeah. ranger kind of mm-hmm. vibe, you know, like where uh, Aragorn has to go and find the. Uh, the king's uh, king's leaf or whatever it was right. called. Here is the problem, Kingsburg. and I say that with quotes around it because I understand how D and D fifth edition got here, mm. but in some cases, it does things and then undoes them. Spell components is a great example. Um, so, I think to understand how we got to some of these things and things like the prices on magic items, yeah. I think this comes from the same place. Fourth edition was a very uh, much more like a um, uh, much more constrained, much more in a box. You know, it was players, it was, it, they tried to kind of take away the judgment value, like kind of the, the, the DM as world run mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let the DM worry about story and players worry about characters and everything ran through the game mechanics in such a way where, for example, all your magic items had a gold piece value. You could also turn them all into residium and go and trade them for other magic items. Well, yeah. This created, now, that sounds good in a certain kind of game, but, like, in my kind of game, I don't want you swapping magic items in and out. And in 4th edition, you had players with the expectation that I need this magic item because that completes my quote-unquote build. Because 4th edition had, it was more like building a magic deck or building, like, a Warhammer character or an army. You know, it's like, you had character builds and they were very much like, like decks, essentially. So you're like, I need this magic item to complete my build. You gave me a magic item at that level. I want to melt that down, make the residium, go get the thing I really wanted. Which means you're just letting the characters kind of, the players sort of carte blanche, trade in and out magic items. I hated that. Yeah, same with, and I think spell components kind of where they kind of went away as an important thing. Like, you didn't need them, but the game didn't really encourage you to do that. You to know? keep track of that type of thing. Yeah, and yeah. The, game, the game really encouraged you to kind of let players build their ideal builds and play that. Honestly, 4th edition is exactly the game I would expect Watsy to make out of D&D. It was a D&D game made as a closed-loop, closed-system game like Magic the Gathering, where your players are just focusing on building, building the best decks they can, and as the DM, your job was to build the adventures to let the players play those decks. Yeah. Um, is that also, I think, so it comes up with spell components, it comes up in magic item prices, and how it comes up is this. So there was a lot of feedback to D&D about that that kind of took the fantasy out of the world. It made it too mechanical, too much like a, like a board game or a card game. So, and DMs wanted more freedom to, to play their worlds the way they wanted to play them. So D&D's response to that was to put a lot of this stuff in, but then put in a caveat that you don't need to use this, or they kind of take away what's important. Or with spell or with magic item prices, they give you the item and they describe the item, but then they put the prices somewhere else in case you want to run a magic item shop. So they're not all bundled together. And uh, they're doing that gotcha. in part, I believe, because they wanted to remove that presumption of, well, like... That, I can that, buy that. Yeah, well, this has a price. Of course, I can buy it. Where can I buy it? They wanted to remove that presumption and give the, D, and give the DM more control over that. Mm. So they put those things in other places. In, in the same with spell components. You can play with spell components if you want to, but base rules, your, 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 holy, your holy symbol or your spell focus handles most of that. The problem is, in separating those things out to, give, to try to give DMs more control over how they want the world to be, they made it hard to find it all. <laughs> that goes back to our original question from Kayla about yeah. finding your magic item prices, and it goes to, you know, like your spell component stuff. It's just, they just made it, like, it's like they put it in that you can do it, but you need to, you need to either go find it somewhere else away from the magic items, like, like with, with uh, magic item prices, 
Or with spells, you have to basically, if you want players to play with spell components, you have to basically tell them their spell focuses can't work, can't that way, can't cover their, their material components. And it creates this game where it can be whatever you want, but sometimes you got to have an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> with the players about, well, this is how it works by the book. Well, that's not how we're going to work it in this game, so I want you to track spell components. On the other hand, tracking spell components is incredibly tedious. We've known that since second edition, or maybe even first. Yeah, when I'm out there shopping for glow worms, those were good times. Yeah, so it's like it's it's neat that it adds flavor, but it is super tedious. Tracking arrows is tedious. Tracking gold is tedious. Again, that is where I where I I kind of fall down. It's if you're going to do it, take the time, and if you find something like that tedious, figure it out. I do kind of let the players kind of work on. I let the players work on the honor system. It is something when it comes to like arrows, especially for me, more important at early levels. Yeah. But then, what you, but what you run into though is at later levels, you have okay, you're no longer tracking just their basic arrows because okay, you give them the quiver of Alona, they can hold a thousand yeah, arrows. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I did with <laughs> and some javelins. Yeah, that, that's what I did with uh, with Thea. With yeah. Thea. Um, however, now if you give them plus one arrows or plus two arrows, you got to track how many of those do they yeah. have. Or if you throw out there, hey, you get six plus three arrows, you got to make sure those are tracked. You know. So it kind of doesn't go away, even though you can kind of take, even though you can make it easier at the more mundane level. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we've been talking about this for a little while, the tedious things in D&D and about DMing D&D and how we can try to make them less tedious. What do, what do you guys think for final thoughts? If we're looking at magic items, I like the block pricing idea. You break them up by rarity. Uh, you can have fun with it or just allow for some random rolls, but there's got to be some caps on how much they're randomly rolling for. I mean, if they're really in Greyhawk Bazaar, okay, guys, well, you're there, you got the Greyhawk, this is why it's cool, fantastic. If you're in some, you know, bigger-than-average town, you probably aren't going to find a Wand of Wonder in a Magic Item booth. Maybe you will, it's just unlikely. So don't feel that you have to put all these different vendors together so we can just run around and search everyone, because nothing's quite as fun as a whole night of shopping. <laughs> yeah, on the magic item front, I mean, you you explained it well, and you even I think your article you had broken out how you built the Sky Mall as well, so you guys can check that out as well because it's pretty extensive the way Tony did it. But um, you know, in our modern day, I think we we sometimes get certain pre assumptions about how things are, and like you know, the WalMarts and the Best Buys and the Targets and these big box stores exist now, uh, but like. Back in your in your day, you know, in the 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 Western European fantasy world that you live in, uh, that is not how it was. You had some things, and you had what you had at the time. So it goes back to my idea, um, kind of based off the crit roll idea, which was you have a shop, and it has a certain number of items that you already know. So you have four or five, six items. Those can rotate out as you see fit. That way you don't have to build this whole big box store of, you know, Costco of magic items. Uh, it doesn't have to be like that. But um, if you're going to do something like a magic item shop, like uh, map making, like uh, extensive session prep, like uh, reading, whatever. Take the time if it's something that you're going to put in your world. But if you find something tedious... Ask yourself, why am I doing this part of it? Um, so, yeah. there you go. You don't have to do all the things. You can run the world as you you see the three of us all do vastly different styles. Some ways similar in some ways, some ways vastly different. And we all kind of arrive at the generally same point of a fun game. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, for me, you know, I think just to build on what Dave said there, the real key yes. word here is pick your battles, right? You, you have things that are tedious to you as a DM. Figure out which of those are worth hanging on to for you and which of those aren't. And if they're not worth hanging on to, and if, if they're not worth doing even though they're tedious, see if you could not do it. Just just see if you could just like let it slide. Or maybe you can, God forbid, half-ass it. Like we're talking about with <laughs> technically in my games... Counting ammunition matters. I am totally trusting the players to do that with maybe just the occasional like kind of spot check. I'm not making a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm trusting the players to tell me when they need more stuff. And then we just work out role playing wise how do they get the stuff they need. And the other option is, you know, if you don't want to if you feel like it, it would help to have it done and it's tedious for you and you don't want to do it, see if a player is willing to help you out with it. See if it's something like, you know, like initiative tracking or map making where you can just Throw it to a player who wants to do it and is excited to do it, is going to do a better job of it, and give it to them. That is like my number one, number one DMing shortcut for any tedious thing you have. See if your players want to help with that thing. And if you can get someone to help with it, that can work a lot better. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, hell, uh, Colville even did a whole episode on his idea of the monster wrangler, which is in essence just a player. (laughs) He's like, go do this thing. You know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it depends because, I mean, there's different things that are teaching different people. So that's, that's it's pick your battles. You know, pick your battles and figure out how you can avoid fighting the ones that aren't worth fighting. Mm. Wilson. All right, guys. Good episode. Yeah. This, oh, also, you guys probably figured out uh, at this point because of our room sound, we are live. But well, we're together. Time. We're all in the same place. Yes. Mostly alive. This is not actually a live broadcast. This is not live, but. Yeah, we're but here. we're here. Like, I'm literally looking at Thorne as he's speaking, and I'm giving him good... I'm like, yeah, keep going with that. We are in person. And Tony's side-eyeing me as I talk about Elios's <laughs> Sky Mall. Give away all my trade secrets. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, guys, thanks a lot. Dave, thanks a lot for hosting. It's been great. Yeah. And thank you all for listening from home. This has been another episode of Three Wise DMs. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. And if you want to hear us talk about your problems, we're always on the lookout for, for listener questions. You can send them into threewisedms at gmail.com. Go to our website, threewisedms.com, and put them in the What's Your Problem field. Or you can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're very active in all those places. Like we said, this came from uh, a Twitter post. So, you know, if you if you want to hear us cover your topic, throw it out to us. And odds are we'll probably get to it. We try to get to as much as we can. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Three Wise Games. <laughs>